please open up your Bibles to Matthew. Again, please pray for your pastor and try to tolerate him because he's not really uh, in full function mode. I am not in full function mode. Look at Matthew 9. It will be Matthew 9. So uh, my mind is a little groggy and I'm tired. And so it's very hard balancing self-care while managing uh, personal issues, work-related issues, and the ministry and the Internet. So uh, it's the balancing part has also been draining. So try to tolerate with me, and I'd sure appreciate if you can do a quick prayer for me. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, and we'll read verse 12, Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now this passage lays out the story where the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were trying to accuse Jesus Hey, why are you hanging around with these sinners? And Jesus Christ says, hey, I'm not ha- uh, I prefer hanging out with them than with you. Jesus Christ says that I did not come for you guys, those who are perfect, proud, and think that you're spiritual. I came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free for those who need me, for those who are sick. And that's why Jesus Christ, he is the greatest physician that you'll ever find anywhere in this entire earth. As a matter of fact, a lot of people today, they're panicking about the coronavirus issue. And then uh, according to Dr. Fauci, he says that if you think that you have symptoms of the coronavirus, to go to the doctor. And then they encourage hospitals and doctors to quickly diagnose and to rashly diagnose for anything that they might think as being a COVID-19 situation, a coronavirus. But aside from all that, he harps about social distancing, and then there's this isolation and lockdown, and a lot of suppression, so to speak, that people are frustrated with. And you know, uh, in this video, I'm not going to say that, I'm not trying to point out that the methods that are happening within our government today, that they're either malicious or beneficial. That's not the point of this sermon. The point of this sermon is that despite of even, even if these are sincere and the best intentions to diminish the disease and the sickness, whether you believe that it exists or not, is not the point. But the better point is that uh, there's a better physician. There's a greater physician that can cure not just the ailments that you're going through with this coronavirus, but mental ailments, spiritual ailments, financial ailments, family ailments, any trial, any affliction and every problem, which is why Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci. And that's the title of my message today. Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, fill within me Holy Spirit power. Wash away my sins with your blood. I need all the concentration. Uh, Work within my brain cells a little more, Father. Just give it to me. I don't know how you pull me through literally through every recorded video, every lesson that is taught, and every encounter I have with these people. 
And every time I have to make a decision in leadership, I don't know how I was able to do it. It's only by your grace and power, Lord. So God, I'm like a helpless little child again. Pull me through again, Father. Pull me through again and make this sermon help the people who are going through suffering and they want to find the cure to defeat it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The sermon that I'm going to give to you is certain pointers that will help you during the times that you feel sick. And I'm not just talking about the coronavirus or physically. I'm talking about what you're going through in life. You feel sick concerning about your finances. You feel sick concerning about the problems in your home. You feel sick because of the kind of temptations that are surrounding you. And you feel overwhelmed by the sickness of trial and affliction and persecution, et cetera, et cetera, those kind of sicknesses. So what I'm going to do is compare the medical solution, so to speak, of Dr. Fauci and see how the solutions that's provided by your Dr. Jesus is far better. So Dr. Fauci, he encourages for one thing about make sure that you don't listen to a lot of misinformation online or from other people. You got to always look at who and who is who. These guys are the experts, they say. So make sure you turn to them. Make sure you keep looking at CDC. Make sure you keep your eyes out for Dr. Fauci's organization. What we, the real experts, tell you so that if you listen to us, then, and put your faith in us, then your ailment, your sickness can diminish. But instead, there's a lot of people who are upset and a lot of people who actually fell into worse conditions despite of these solutions that may be considered as best intention. And maybe it's the best option that you can find in Dr. Fauci's mind, in the world's mind. But actually, there's a better option during this coronavirus outbreak, and not just this outbreak, for any outbreak that you go through in life, the Lord Jesus Christ says, why don't you put your faith in me? Amen. Don't put your faith in who? Don't put your faith in man. Don't put your faith in CDC, but put your faith in me. And you see, during trial and affliction and suffering, the key that helps you when you're feeling the pain, when you're feeling the agony, and you don't know what to do, and you're confused, and then you're trying to rack your brain, and by racking your brain, you're putting in all so much of your effort to pull through, to conquer the suffering and to solve the issue. The Lord Jesus Christ just comes in the midst and say, why don't you let all that go and give it to me, child? Why don't you have faith in me? Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And then we're also going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, excuse me, it will be 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at 1 John 5 and Matthew chapter 11. So when you're in the middle of that pain, you've got to tell your flesh you're not believing in God. You're not trusting in God. So the best thing to do is that you got to realize why you're not overcoming the problem is because your faith is weak. And you need to tell yourself, hey, you know, you got to believe in his promise. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 11. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 1. 
excuse me, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And what did Jesus say? Okay, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you really, really believe that? Do you really, really, really believe that with all of your heart? Do you really, really, really believe that with all your heart of hearts? Do you believe it? Then you can have peace. See, it's because you just know the verse. You don't believe the verse. It's because you're just quoting the verse, but you don't believe the verse. You, th you think that you're trying to believe in the verse, but you're not actually resting in his care where it shows that you have faith in his word. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The Lord Jesus Christ says that's how you find rest is that you start to realize that I can carry uh, I can carry your burdens and you just take my yoke that I give to you. A lot of times people, the reason why that they don't have faith in God is because they feel the burden. But you got to realize this. Jesus Christ says that the burden is given to him at verse 28. When you give the burden to him, it doesn't mean that the burden is gone. Because you feel that burden. You might say, but I thought Jesus carried my burden. He carries your burden, but he gives his burden to you. Did you look at verse 28? He carries your burden. But then verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. He wants you to carry the burden he gives to you. So what helps you to overcome the suffering is to realize that God takes the burden from you. And the burden that you're carrying right now is what he gives to you. And when you feel that burden, you can't lose faith now. You can't start doubting once you sense the burden that he gives to you. Instead, what you've got to do once he gives you the burden is to believe on him even more that this burden is right. That this burden is used for your betterment. That this burden is used for what? At verse 29, it says, learn of me. It's so that you can learn. Why? By learning to take his yoke, you're able to overcome any yoke the world gives upon you. That's the idea. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And then we'll read 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. Faith is the victory. Amen. I'll tell you what when you rely on who? I'll tell you what when you rely on CDC. I'll tell you what when you rely on Dr. Fauci. I'll tell you what when you rely on your government. When you rely on them, you panic even more when, something, when another bad outbreak occurs. But when another bad outbreak occurs in the Christian life, your faith increases even further and you're, you're grounded and you realize, hey, this is not a new situation, a new outbreak to me. I've been through those situations before and I know that he'll pull me through again. So during suffering, what you need to do is to tell that flesh in the middle of fear, in the middle of doubt, in the middle of worry, is tell yourself, don't you believe? in his care? Don't you believe in his promise? Don't you believe in his power? 
If you have trouble believing, why don't you think about all the times that he pulled you through? Why don't you think about all the times where he mentioned in his word that he created all the universe within six days, where he was able to secure your soul eternally no matter how great your sin is. Look at the past 2,000 years of church history, how the Christian church survived and lived and even thrived despite of the growing apostasy. Look how God pulled that church through. Think about all those times and then that will help you in believing on him. Didn't you see God answer some prayer in your life before? Didn't you see, remember those times where God pulled you and cured that outbreak, that disease for you? When you think about and contemplate on those things, you are able to overcome the suffering and overcome the world through faith. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Another medical solution that Dr. Jesus has Above Dr. Fauci is concerning about this social distancing, social distancing. So concerning social distancing, Dr. Fauci says that if you be in, the more that you're in contact with people, the more that the disease will grow. So the more that you are away from people, you give a six feet and then perhaps there's another person, another six feet and another person, six feet. So you can get six, six, six. Make sure that you have six feet away from you when you have three people surrounding you. And with this 666 distance, then it should be a lot better for you. It should be a lot better for you. But Dr. Jesus has a better solution. He says that you are to meet together as a church. He says that you are supposed to carry one another's burdens. You are supposed to be in contact socially with the people that the Lord has given to you in your life. If you're going through suffering and pain, you know what? If any of you wives are going through suffering and pain, man, you got a blessing. Man, just annoy your husband by being in constant contact with him and pour out your fears and concerns. And if you husbands are afraid of not looking macho in front of the other people at the church, you have the benefit of your wife and then you can whine and complain to your wife. What's the benefit of all that? The benefit is what God has given to you. Why don't you take opportunity? With the pain and the sorrow, it's best to take opportunity with the people the Lord has provided with you in your life. Why is it that we have a Sunday service? Why is it that we have a Zoom meeting? Why is it that we're trying to start out a ladies meeting? Why is it that we're trying to start out a youth meeting? Why is it that we have a blowout? Why is it that we have a summer camp? Why is it that we have soul winning time together? It's because through social contact, it helps us during our suffering moments where we get those kind of riveting situations, those riveting moments where, hey, I feel juiced up. Amen. I want a soul to salvation. I'm able to sing together and praise the Lord. Man, that feels a lot better singing hymns. Man, it's so good to just talk to the brother and sister in Christ and say, I'm going through a situation. Will you pray for me? And even there are those moments where there's a brother and sister in Christ who's even closer to you that you feel more comfortable relaying and talking about the burden that you wouldn't talk about with other brethren. And that's the benefit of social contact. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. 
And we'll read verse 25. During those situations where, man, I need encouragement. I need motivation, especially as the day is getting closer to the rapture. Hardship is increasing even more. Frustration. And it looks like the tribulation is even closer. And we're, uh, we're tasting the tidbits and the precursors of it. During such a moment, we need encouragement. We need the energy. And how do we get that? Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Why? Because as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. But you know what a lot of people do, unfortunately, rather than gathering together so that they can receive that encouragement as the day is approaching? Look at the middle of verse 25. It says, forsaking as the manner of some is. You know what the tendency is when you're going through suffering, when you're going through a problem? Lock yourself up in the corner of the room and hold it to yourself, and then you just let those wrong emotions, negative emotions rise up even more and overwhelm you that you break down and then you feel like the Christian life is depressing, is hard, it's miserable. And God never intended to give you a yoke that was beyond his yoke. If you have feel like the yoke is heavier when you're going through suffering, you need to ask yourself, I wonder if I'm carrying this myself. If it's a private situation that you don't want to burden other people, is it too much to ask where, can you please pray for me? Is it too much to ask where the pastor is able to counsel you because that's his job? Hey, I don't want to bother the pastor because he wouldn't, I mean, because it's so hard for him. Hey, even if I don't want to do it, it's my job. <laughs> it's my job. So if whatever opportunity is given, take it. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that every affliction that you practically go through, that you start to whine about it to everybody around you, then people are going to think that you're just practically a whiner rather than a person who needs help. So obviously, there's some amount of discretion on that. But you've got to realize this, is that when there is genuine suffering, genuine hardship, that's why take advantage of brethren around you that you need to be comfortable with, that you need to get used to, so that what? The bond can develop, the relationship can develop where you can disclose some things and feel that you can trust them with that. That's why it's so urgent to come to church. If you're all by yourself, and I feel sad for the onliners, the onliners, I feel you, where you say, I wish that there was a Bible-believing church for me. I got nothing but your online church pastor. I understand and I feel for you. Because you've got to understand what they are going through is something of isolations, that social distancing where they're by themselves. And when you're all by yourself, guess what happens? Then you start to not trust people around you or even things online even. You don't trust. Why? Because there's that bond, that communication didn't start where the bond can develop and the relationship can grow and then you can rely and trust the person. Why do you think that the pastor stresses so many times about coming to church, coming to church, coming to church? If you're going through a suffering right now, you got to ask yourself this, when's the last time I went to church? And did I come to church as often as I should have? 
where I can entrust the pastor for help on something, where I can entrust the brethren to at least pray for me if I can't disclose, or can I find, can I find a brother or a sister in the church that I can disclose something about? If you have a wife, if you have a husband, and bless God that it's a Christian home, do you take advantage of that? Do you have a family? Do you have even siblings? And you know, even in a worldly perspective, it's not just a Christian family and friends. It is natural in human nature when they're going through pain that they want to talk about it with, to somebody else. And it's so amazing that you think that the best medical solution is that you'll go to a doctor who you don't even know from Adam, and his name is Dr. Therapy, Dr. Psychologist, and you pay him money for that when church is free every Sunday and even twice a week, and you got it online practically every day. Isn't it amazing what human nature is? Human nature has it wrong. Why? They're trusting in the physical doctors, Dr. Psychotherapy, Dr. Fauci, but not Dr. Jesus. Take advantage of what you have. So when you're going through suffering, ask yourself, you know, did I have someone who can help me with this burden? Did I seek counsel from the pastor? Did I have some brother? Can I think of some brother and sister in Christ who I was able to relay my burdens and they were able to help me carry? Another thing that Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci in is concerning about shelter in place. In this shelter in place, it's a lockdown. It's an isolated moment. And because of that, it's driving people insane, just pre pretty much now. You counted all the holes in the ceiling, and you know how many holes there are in your ceiling. Why? Because you filled out your Netflix show. And then during that isolation, it actually increases more problems rather than bettering your situation. Yeah, on, now, even, even if we were to look at the positive, positive outlook and give the benefit of the doubt to what Dr. Fauci suggested concerning about this lockdown and shelter in place, sure, it might diminish the coronavirus situation if we were to give him that benefit of the doubt on that one. But what about all the other situations like drug relapses? What about people who are living in abusive homes? What about people who are struggling with financially and they're losing jobs and the economy is definitely getting shot, which is apparent. And there are mental problems, financial problems, and even physical problems because people are getting sick. People are getting unhealthy, get afflicted with different kind of diseases because they're not getting that, that sunlight building of their immunity system and they don't get what they need concerning that contact with the outside world and in the hospitals they fear. Why? Because of the coronavirus that's supposedly being so rampant that they don't want to catch it. So even when they have their own sickness and condition, they're afraid to go. So what about all these other factors? So that's why even if this is the best option that you can think of, where we give Dr. Fauci the benefit of the doubt, it still has its consequences nevertheless. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, when you take his shelter in place, there are no consequences. With, with Jesus Christ in his shelter in place, there's nothing that can go wrong. 
is in our shelter found in his rock. In his rock, Jesus Christ is our shelter in place. Am I going to whine about the shelter in place from Dr. Fauci? Or am I going to sing a shelter in the time of storm because of Dr. Jesus? He is our shelter. He is our hiding place. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Throughout the Bible, it would talk about the Lord being our shelter in the midst of trouble. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 23. And the reason why is because we're hiding, we're being sheltered under his wings. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicken under her wings, and ye would not. The Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to cover you under his wings. And when you're under his wings, you've got to realize he understands your frailty. He sees you as chicks. Have you ever uh, touched a chick before? Now, I, I did before, and what happened is those chicks die very easily. So that's why, you know, when you have a chick, you got to rarely touch it. And why? Because the gentleness that needs to be involved, the carefulness, the love and the care and the nurturing. So God knows that you're a frail creature. So couldn't you rely on his shelter in place? His shelter is forever. It's such a solace. You know, when we're being locked down and isolated from everywhere in the world, it may cause us consequences and pain in Dr. Fauci's method. But with Dr. Jesus' method, when we're isolated from the world, when we're locked down in his care, and you know what that is? It draws us closer to his presence, and it gives us an open eye more about the things that are going on in our life than more than before. That's why it's so important to be sheltered in him, to be sheltered in him. So have you sought his presence? When's the last time that you sought his presence, that you felt the touch of God in your life? Have you isolated yourself with him? That's why, friend, Bible reading and prayer is so important. When you're going through suffering, you know what you need to do? Not isolate yourself. You need to isolate yourself with him. That's what you need. You know what you need? Isolation time with Jesus, not isolation time yourself. You know, when you're going through suffering, that is an important moment where you got to seek God's presence and say, Lord, will you please help me out over here? Where you open his word and then seek consolation from the scriptures. Where you need, that's why, look, when you are suffering in your life, one of the questions you got to ask yourself is, how frequent was my Bible reading and prayer time? How often have I just meditated about him or have I been so caught up with the hustle and bustle and the busyness of this world? You know, when you, your mind gets caught up with the machine of this world, then guess what? Your mind and your body is going to adapt to the things of this world. 
So because it's adapted to the things of this world, when anything uncomfortable happens in this physical world to you, your mind and body that's adapted to that will also feel uncomfortable. But if your mind and body has been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, the spiritual nature, grew even more where the mind and body, where the body became even more dead to the spiritual nature, and the mind, the soul, became more adapted to the spiritual growth, what happens? Then what's going on physically over here, the uncomfortableness, will not bother you as much. See, the, the thing is, is that why people go through tremendous pain and feel it is because they're at a fleshly perspective. They spend all their time in fleshly deeds rather than spiritual. So you know what you need to do? You need to isolate yourself. You need to isolate yourself from the fleshy things of this world. It is good you isolate yourself from worldly people. It is good you isolate yourself from the worldly job and the school things. It is good that you isolate yourself from the sin that you see that's openly available in this world. It is good that you isolate yourself even from the brethren at times, not all the time obviously, because we need the brethren, that social contact to help us, but it is important that at times you isolate yourself from even the brethren. Why? So that you can spend more time with Dr. Jesus. Amen, Why? Because you need to be in quarantine. You need to be in lockdown where all that ailment and that disease that you're catching from the world out there, you need to isolate yourself from that and lock down with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will say, okay, let's go through the medicine together. Open up your Bible right over here. Okay, read, the, okay, read that verse, child. Okay, let's read along. Oh, I don't want to. Come on, child. Read that passage. But my problem, my pain over here. Well, why don't you tell me about it? Well, Lord, this is my pain and my situation. Oh, tell me more specifically. Ah, uh, well, you know, I'm just, I just have a problem. Okay, tell me more specifically. Lord, I, you know all things. I just have a problem. No, 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 no. Really tell me more specifically because I know, but you don't know. You need to know more about your problem so that I can teach you and show you something about the specifics of that problem. So tell me. Tell me. Let's go through it. All right. Meditate now on me. Think about all the things that I did for you in your life. Think about my greatness and my power. Meditate on what I'm doing in your life, how I pulled you through. See, you need that meditation. You need to read his word. You need to pray. You need to memorize scripture so that, why? The word of God can be ingrained in your mind and clean up everything that's deep down in your thoughts and in the feelings that's affecting you negatively. Those thoughts and emotions need to be replaced with scripture, the word of God. Let it clean up your life. That's why the Bible says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. You need to be sheltered with Jesus Christ because he needs to teach you something. He needs to show you something. Did you have that experience with Jesus? People need something physical, don't they? I need to see Jesus. I need to feel Jesus. I need to hear God's voice. God don't use these physical things anymore. He uses something spiritual right here. Amen. Okay, memorize it. 
read it, pray to me, and meditate. Let's do this together. Don't rely on something physical to heal you. And that's the reason why people rely on a physical Dr. Fauci to heal them of their condition and not Jesus Christ. Where are you? Where's your shelter in place? Another area where Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci is concerning about sanitation. They mention, Dr. Fauci mentions that, well, so make sure that you always constantly uh, wash your hands, approximately 20 seconds or so. Make sure that you keep washing your hands and keep yourself sanitized. Why? So that you don't catch the virus. And that's why a lot of people have been hoarding pretty much uh, hand sanitizers. And you see the shelves emptied out. And people are complaining and whining. And they're like, where can I keep myself sanitized? This is going nuts over here. And then some people are speaking out and getting angry. Hey, you, stop. Uh, and the news media are telling people, stop hoarding hand sanitizers, people. So there are still repercussions that happen despite of uh, the advice, good intentional it may be. But God gives you something that's better concerning to heal your ailment and your sickness. And that is you need to wash the inside of your heart. You need to, I'll tell you his washing of hands. Wow. Look at the book of James. Look at the book of James. Look at the book of James. We're going to look at uh, James. And we'll look at chapter, I believe, is it, um, oh, my hand has been... Uh, my mind has been forgetful. Is it chapter 1? Let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And it looks like that I forgot the passage. But if you read the book of James, it mentions about uh, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Chapter 4. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Yes, chapter 4, and we'll read verse 8. Chapter 4 and verse 8. So thank you so much for tolerating with me during my uh, fuzzed up moment just now. <laughs> All right. James chapter 4 verse 8. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You know how you wash your hands? You need to do it in the Lord. You need to do it in the Lord. Washing what? Cleanse your hands what? Ye sinners. The first thing that you need to ask yourself when you're going through suffering is, did I do something wrong? Is there something sinful in my life, which is why these, these suff this suffering situation happened? you got to realize this. A lot of times when suffering happens in your life, it's actually not because God is trying to teach you something. It's mostly because of your own doing. You'd be surprised. A lot of the situations and suffering that you go through is because of your own doing. Oh, I'm th suffering so much lung cancer, so please pray for me. Well, is that God's own doing or was it your own doing because you did something? You probably smoked too much, right? Uh, I got pain in the liver and, man, the Lord's trying to pull me through something here and teach me something. No, it's because it's not God's own doing, it's your own doing. You drank so much. My children don't listen to me and the Lord's trying to help me to become a better mother, a better father. 
No, that's not your doing. That's, uh, uh, that's not God's doing. That's probably your own doing. Because in your past life, you lived wickedly. You rebelled against your parents. So then it's natural for ch children to carry on those genes and then reflect what mommy and daddy does. See, you got to understand that a lot of the pain that you're going through, the suffering that you're going through, is actually not God's fault, but rather your fault. So what will help you to prevent a lot of pain and suffering is to keep what? Wash your hands, ye sinners. Wash your hands. As a matter of fact, even if you want your shelter in place in God, he can't come to you unless you what? Unless you clean the sin off your life. Did you read verse 8? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Why? Look what keeps following here. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. When you pray to the Lord, the Lord can't hear you when there is sin in your life. God, will you help me with the problem right here? And God says, well, you better fix that problem first. Oh, God, I can't do that. And okay, then I can't really help you. You know what you need to do? You need to humble yourself. You need to break your pride, your stubbornness, your fleshly desire. And you need to say, God, I come down broken. I finally repent. Here is my sin, Lord. Wash it with your blood so that you can finally heal me, so that you can finally use me, so that finally I can see improvements when I go through the suffering in life. It's sin. You know what this pastor does quite often when he goes through pain that feels unbearable? Quite often is, okay, what did I do wrong? Is there some sin in my life that caused this to happen? And so what I do is I go through all kinds of sins that I uh, went through in my life, and then the Lord finally shows me that, hey, remember over here you messed up, over here you messed up, and then I realize, oh, I didn't see that before. And God's like, yeah, it sounded like that you didn't see that before until this suffering happened, right? So in a sense, even though it is my own doing, God allowed it to happen. Why? To teach me. Because God says that when suffering happens, it can be a punishment from God. Why? Out of love. As many as I love, I what? Rebuke and chasten. Perhaps I'm going through a chastening, not personal suffering. Perhaps I'm going through a chastening. And then it's like I don't realize my sin problem until God beats my head and says, did the brain cell work just now? Bang! Oh, I got it now, Lord. So you need to check up your life. You need to say, what is it that I sinned and displeased the Lord? And then you need to repent and get that right with God. And then the Lord can start using you a little more. As a matter of fact, here's something you got to understand. Sometimes you got to realize it's not something where God forces you that get rid of the sin so that uh, I can heal you. It's not more so of that. It's more so that sin is actually those blockages, those hindrances to experience and sense happiness. Sometimes you got to realize that if you have a habit of complaining... That's the, real, that's the reason why that when you're going through a problem, another problem in life, you're not happy. Why? Because you're so used to the habit of complaining. And that became a hindering block to ever experiencing a part of joy in your life. So you got to get used to the idea of, okay then, so 
Maybe because of my habit of complaining, I need to repent of that. And if you repented of that, you'd be very surprised at how much happier your life might be then. And that it wasn't actually God's doing, it was more so of your doing. That sin became the blockage, see, that hindrance to experiencing something positive in your life. Look, if you have negative things in your life, how can you, uh, how can you having negative things in your life ever experience something positive? See, those negative things in your life need to be cleaned off, and instead there needs to be positive things so that you can experience positive things in your life. Amen? So clean. Wash your hands, ye sinners. And let me encourage you in this. You might say, but I sinned again the thousandth time. And I'm not confident that I can overcome this sin. Hey, man, you need to realize that as long as the heart is there, as long as that willingness to be willing is in there, then the Lord can take you miles ahead. You'd be surprised how many small steps can lead to miles as long as you're willing to say, God, here it is. Take it. That's what you need to do. And you need to say, God, I might even mess up later on today. I might even be such a stubborn fool. Maybe right now my flesh still wants it even though I'm confessing it. But there is something in there, Lord, where I'm just saying, okay, God, here it is. That much is enough where you can sense those small steps and the Lord can create miles eventually. Repent. Don't you believe? You know what your problem is? The reason why you can't repent? Maybe it is because of your stubbornness and pride, but maybe it's because more so that you're afraid and you're skeptical that this sin can be really cleared out of your life. Maybe you really believe that it's a part of the air that you breathe and that it cannot be overcome. And that perhaps that your heart is so fixed, your desire is so fixed on it that it cannot change. You know what your problem is? You don't believe in his washing. Is there not power in the blood? Then the Bible says at the book of 1 John, if we confess, confess our sin, he is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to what? cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't you believe in the power of the blood? The blood has the power to change the desire. The power of the blood can be able to help you with your repentance. The blood has the power to transform your life. The blood has the power to conquer any temptation. The blood has the power to chase away the sin. The blood has the power to kick the world, the flesh, and the devil at the rear end and get them out of there. The blood has the power where you can finally feel clean and feel like you won the victory and feel like that there's something positive that you can brag about in your life. There is power in the blood. If the blood has the power, why don't you just simply lay it? Just simply lay it at the blood of Jesus. And then those doubts might still be in there. Those fleshly desires might still be in there. That fleshly pride and stubbornness might be clinging on over there. But just laying at the feet of the blood, then those things will start to subside and the Lord can start working in you. What he, God wants, what God wants, as Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but what? 
sinners to repentance. He just simply wants to see that willingness to be willing over there. That's it. Man, Dr. Jesus is a much better doctor than Dr. Fauci. Amen. Amen. Another area where Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci is concerning the fact where Dr. Fauci talks about make sure that uh, your mind is aware and where it's always being careful concerning about misinformation out there. So they talk about don't want, be careful of all the stuff that's going around the internet because a lot of it is misinformation. A lot of it is misinformation. Make sure that your mind is aware of that. And then Dr. Fauci and, all, and the, our world teaches that that's why it's so important that you are educated, that you go to our higher institutions of learning so that we can brainwash your mind and teach you what is genuine and right knowledge so that you're grown up enough to avoid misinformation out there. So you need school. You need the professors uh, to tell you what to do. And you can't get an A unless you do it to the way where it meets the professor's expectation. See, you need to do well. You need to do well. So their way of helping you concerning with this coronavirus outbreak is to be informed, they say. We need our people to be informed, informed. So make sure that you keep your ears open to what the media tells you, what the schools are tells you, and what your doctors are telling you in the hospitals because we're paying them concerning about diagnosing, you know, with COVID-19. They get a special uh, pay, a higher pay concerning that. So make sure that you be informed from me, from your schools, what they teach you. This is not what the majority of scholars, the majority of the science world, the majority of the medical experts at WHO, and the majority of what the government leaders say, all this misinformation, all of that is misinformation you heard. You need to hear what the majority says, the majority. Well, you know what? God is always with God, and even though you're one, is already a majority. When you're a majority of, with the world, you're already a minority in the eyes of God. You know why? Because our God is greater and bigger than the whole world combined. Now look at the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You know what you need your mind to be awakened in? You need your mind to be awakened in God. Not in schools, not in media, not in the government. And yes, let me even include online over there. Because of all that kind of information that you're receiving from them, what it's doing is that it's giving you an unhealthy life. An unhealthy life where you're unbalanced and you're not even able to grow in the Lord and be happy. Look at verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Notice here that you're sacrificing. You're going through a sacrifice, pain for the Lord. But it is during that suffering and that sacrifice you need to do what? Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Compish? You should not turn to the world during those moments of suffering. You can't be conformed to them. You need to switch that mind, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But no, I'm sorry. Your mind is conformed to this world during suffering. 
During those moments of suffering, your mind is already fixed, adapted to a way where you automatically go to the cabinet and take out a drinking bottle. It's already conformed to this world. Your mind is already fixed and conformed to this world where the, I have to turn to a therapist to take care of my life issues. Your mind's already conformed to this world where I need to hear inspirational, fleshly, motivational messages from fleshly, worldly preachers. See, your mind's conformed to this world. Your mind's conformed to this world where it says, well, you know, it, because my life is so hard and there's so much suffering, let's watch something online. Let's look at the TV. Let's play some games. I want to go to my Facebook and social network because it's feeding my carnality. Let me spend my time on this. On. Your mind is conformed to this world where it becomes a dead mind. And during the middle of suffering, your mind is not functioning because it's already fixed to a dead state according to the methods of this world. You know what you need to do during the midst of suffering? The mind needs to what? Renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to function, not be drowned out, not be deadened through drugs. Your mind needs to function. When you're going through suffering, the Lord is doing this to teach you something, right? It's a learning experience, right? So instead of spending all the time crying and whining during the middle of suffering, your mind needs to start running. Lord, is there something you're trying to teach me here? Your mind needs to be awake. Lord, I'm turning to you and praying to you for help. Will you help me out with the situation over here? Lord, my mind is reading your word so that maybe I can gain some insight over here. I'm meditating on you. Your mind needs to be awake. Your mind needs to run. Because here's the thing. All the things that you heard from this message is not going to amount to a heel of beans if your mind doesn't remember that and your mind doesn't start applying those things in the middle of suffering. Now, you know in your heart of hearts in the middle of your suffering, you're going more by the feelings of your flesh and what the flesh brings to your mind about moments of pain. Don't you? Rather than during that moment of pain, your mind is not remembering about what you read from the scripture, the sermon that helped you, and all the things that God has told you. These are the things you need to do so that your life can become better. Your mind is not meditating, thinking, contemplating on those things, isn't it? Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because when, if I am preaching directly at you, you know why. Because... I went through that myself. Preachers know this. A lot of times when they preach something and something that's really pointed, you'd be surprised a lot of it is just about themselves. I know exactly about that moment because I went through that myself. So the mind needs to run, not the feelings of the flesh that forces wrong thoughts in your mind. The mind needs to run. So start thinking, Christian. Don't uh, stop whining and start thinking. Maybe that should be a meme. Stop whining and start thinking. <laughs> start thinking using your head. You know why people pay hundreds of uh, so much money for therapy? Because they get the mind running. <laughs> yeah. 
So you have to turn to something fleshly where they can get you to start thinking. You don't have to pay to think. You got your own brain. Think. Use it. <laughs> Why do you have to pay somebody so that you can think? Isn't your mind yours? Doesn't the mind belong to you? Isn't that, didn't God created you with a functioning brain? Isn't the Holy Spirit inside you to help you? So why don't you think for yourself? Rather than just going to a therapist and you think that the problem is so great and in your unconsciousness without you knowing the therapist is making you think. See, the mind thinking can be very important to help you during suffering. Thinking is what makes you contemplate about the blessings of the Lord contemplate about the positive things in your life the mind is what gets you to start oh i need to pray oh i need to read the bible if the mind don't function it don't work so that's the kind of information that your mind needs your mind needs to start working and gaining start thinking you need to start thinking for yourself that kind of thinking is better than the thinking that the world tries to tell you what to do, what Dr. Fauci tells you what to do. Another area where Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci is one, perhaps one of the greatest weapons that a lot of people don't think about. And one of the greatest weapons ever is concerning this area. Dr. Fauci and the world, they mention over here, if there's any kind of suspicion where you feel something, even a slight moment, then... Make sure that you tell your doctor about it. Tell your doctor about it. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Fauci. Tell it to your doctor. No, it's what? You know the opposite. It's tell it to Jesus. Now, why isn't that the automatic thinking when you suspect something wrong in your life? You know what your problem is when you suspect something wrong in your life? It's I can handle it myself. It's, I can do something about it. Look, even if it's a small moment or a small moment of suspicion, you'd be surprised that prayer is that important where it helps you something dramatic. You need to pray about everything. Everything, Pastor? Everything. Look, I mentioned about being discreet, right? About uh, relaying to people about your problems. So there is that level of discretion where you don't want to burden people with your problems, where it turns out to be whining about everything in life. But guess what? It's the opposite with the Lord. The Lord says, I want to hear everything that you're going through so that I can teach you something, child. Well, what if it's a fleshly whining? Well, then fleshly whine, because the Lord wants to hear it so that he can teach you. Lord, I'm going through a problem right here. Stop whining, child. Okay, Lord. So you need prayer. You need prayer so that the Lord can help you anyway. You need to pray. To, don't be afraid. Why are people, maybe what's going on in your mind is you feel like prayer is unnecessary. You feel like prayer is unnecessary in that particular situation. You need to be in a habit where you're like a lost little child and say, God, I'm nothing without you. Will you help me? Aren't there moments that, aren't there times that this preacher quite often did that before preaching a sermon? People say, that's a great message. But you, to be quite honest, it's not my message. It's God's message. And see, that builds up humility. What creates and increases humility is when there's an increase in prayer. And where there's an increase in prayer, there's an increase of cleaning off of sin. 
Prayer is the main key ingredient where you also receive the filling power of the Holy Spirit to do greater things for the Lord, like winning more souls to Christ, preaching great messages, teaching the word, growing yourself, and being able to help out other people. All of it is down to the main foundational ingredient, prayer. You know how this church started? Not because I came out here, it's because of prayer. You know how the message was able to be delivered today? It's not because of my efforts where I prepared so thoroughly. It's because of prayer. You know why there are people in this church? It's not because of their presence. It's because of praying for people to come to church. It's all about prayer. It's not, well, how did, were we able to win this soul to Christ? It's because I studied so thoroughly and so winning, went through the homework assignments, pastor gave to me, I memorized the scripture. No, it's because of prayer. That's why you said, Lord, will you save this soul from hell? The Lord gave you something and you led that soul to Jesus Christ. Prayer is what caused you to do your homework assignments and to even work hard. I can't even trust in working something well without praying. Do you pray before you go to work? Do you pray before you go to school? Do you, why do you even pray before you eat? You know why that's a habit? Because God deserves everything that he needs to hear from you. Otherwise, we, li we live absolutely nothing. We cannot function a single moment in our lives. You can't even eat the meal in front of you without prayer with God. That's how much you need God. You need God that much. And don't you think that's going to increase your faith, your reliance on God? Don't you think it makes more sense that by prayer, that's why you can see more things happening in your life? Maybe the suffering would not have happened at all if you tell it to Jesus. You know what's the sad thing? The sad thing is, because you didn't pray all this time, when you go through the suffering, when you're feeling the pain, that's when you start praying. So in other words, look, you didn't, that suffering may not have even happened if you prayed a long time ago. So basically the idea is this, is that you don't need a car crash to be helped. To, in order to prevent that car from even crashing, you could have received help to begin with. Why is it after the car crash, I need help here, Lord. No, you don't even have to go through a car crash. You could have been helped before you hit the car crash. You need to pray to the Lord. This is the problem. And why am I preaching this? Because there are times that the pastor is guilty of that. So I exactly know the, what I'm talking about. I exactly know what I'm talking about. Why is there a health affliction? Why is there a family affliction? Why is there a financial affliction? Why is there a church affliction? Why is there a mental affliction? Why is there any sort of physical affliction in your life? Is because you didn't pray. You pray when you go through the affliction. You didn't pray before you went through the affliction. If you prayed before you went through the affliction, maybe the affliction would not have even happened. Why? Because it is through prayer. Look, if you're suspecting something going wrong with the home and you said, Lord, there seems to be something going on over here. Will you please take care of that situation? I'm suspecting about my son and daughter over here. It doesn't look like a big deal, but Lord, I just want to pray to you. Will you please show me if there's something wrong? And then if you prayed that a long time ago, maybe the Lord would show you, would answer that prayer and say, yeah, your son is hanging around with the wrong crowd over here. You see him hanging around with the, the gangs over there dur uh, during that time and that hour. Oh, thank you, Lord. And then you stopped it from ever happening. But no, you didn't do that. 
What happens is when your son is going through those situations, it is until he joins again and gets locked up in prison that you raise your hand at church and say, please pray for my son. He's locked up in prison. Is this making sense? Prayer should not happen after your life is wrecked. Prayer should happen before the wreck can even occur. What? When you're going through suffering, that's why, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Why do you think it's so important to have a prayer list? So that you can go through every single specific. And when you go through specifics, we know what you're praying about. But that's one of the things about the power and the manifestation of prayer is so important. Uh, I'm not going to mention this one preacher, but this one preacher that I do not have an ounce of uh, that I don't have an ounce of impression with, although he preaches really great. But a lot of fundamentalist pastors and even some Bible-believing pastors turn, turn to this pastor about, man, this pastor talked about fasting and praying for like days, so many days. I mean, he fasted so much like Jesus pretty much. And a lot of people t look to this pastor on that one. But then you know what? During that time when I heard that, uh, the, that somebody relied on this pastor to pray and then I heard the pastor pray, I could automatically tell, man... You know, that kind of prayer, it doesn't, it doesn't reflect his life really well. It sounds like he's trying too hard. It's like showing. I could tell. I could tell. You know why? It doesn't take a fool to tell if that fool spent his life in prayer. When you're praying, you know what happens? Specifics start to grow even more. And it's those specific areas that you realize, you realize are needed areas in that moment. And when you realize the needed areas in that moment in your prayer life, and then you pray to the Lord about it and other people hear it, they're like, wow. And they're like, I never thought about that before. Maybe I should start praying like that. The last thing I want to say, and then we'll close, is that another area where Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci is that Dr. Fauci in this world talks about, you know, we need that lockdown. We need the social distancing. We need people to keep away from people. And you need those vaccines whenever they will come up with the vaccines. So they talk about the vaccines are desperately needed for people to be healed of this coronavirus. Now, whether vaccines are good or not, I'm not, going to, uh, I'm not going to say that in this video. So I don't want both sides to misunderstand me. But what I want to say this, both sides are going to have to agree, nevertheless, that vaccine does something where it does not build up the immune system, where the people are more reliant on it rather than the immune system building up itself to conquer all sorts of other diseases and infections out there. So it doesn't change that fact. It gives more of a reliance on that chemical, on that solution to do its work, rather than the immune system where that self is necessary to be able to fight a lot of the diseases and a lot of germs out there. Now, both sides can argue either way, but I'm not focusing on that one. What I'm trying to focus is on this, is that Jesus Christ... What he does when you're going through a problem and situation, he doesn't give you a vaccine or a, fi or a fix that you're susceptible to where you're relying upon. He makes you build up yourself. That's the key that I'm trying to lay across.
The key that I'm trying to lay across where I, why Dr. Jesus is better than Dr. Fauci is that self is needed to build. That maturity needs to grow, which is why the trial of fire was given to you in your life. When suffering happens in your life, it's good that rather than resisting it, you learn to accept it. You know what gives a lot of peace in my life when I feel suffering? Is when I accept the suffering, not fighting it. It's very hard to, it's very hard to accept it. But once you accept it, then when any bad things happens in your life, you're used to it and you're like, man, this is normal. It happens. It comes with the ministry. It comes with the ministry. So what is so necessary in your life is you need the Lord Jesus Christ to guide you through that process, to build up your own strength. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in where? Weakness. You need that. You need those moments where you're afflicted, where you're in pain, where you're in pressure, so that spiritual immune system can grow even more and be able to resist and fight afflictions in your life. Without it, you're such a tender person, susceptible for anything out there to give you an immediate fix. That's why Satan realizes that, so he offers you those fixes, doesn't he? He says, turn to drugs. Turn to worldly friends. Pay a lot of money for therapy. Go to big churches out there so that you can get your carnal needs met during your problem. Take a vaccine. That's Satan. Satan is got, has got the people where they want an immediate fix. That's it, right there. An immediate fix. And that's the big difference with Dr. Fauci and Dr. Jesus is his is not an immediate fix. Amen. His is a fix that's more important than that. That immune system needs to grow. And I'm talking about your spiritual immune system. That self needs to develop where I can become immune to the problems in life. And that brings power. That brings blessing, actually. And when you go through problems and pain in your life, people are going to look up to you because they're like, wow, how are you so strong to conquer all that? Why are you so wise and all that? Why are you so mature? How did you handle that? That happened because you went through the experience of learning. And that's why it is so valuable to have your spiritual immunity to grow. As you go through that fire, you know what Satan's going to do? He's going to offer you that immediate fix. Now, either you can choose that immediate fix, or you can take Dr. Jesus' hand. Let's go through the fire, child. Ready? Let's go. Whose hand will you carry? I'll tell you who I think is better, Dr. Jesus. Every head bow and every eye shut. The altar call is open if the Lord laid it upon your heart. I hope that these things has helped you concerning your life of suffering. You need God. You need help. You need God and you need help. You need that spiritual immunity to grow, to develop itself, not relying on some kind of immediate fix. This sermon is not to condemn. I want to make this very clear. This sermon is not about condemning, about the lockdown, about hand washing, about vaccines, or anything else. 
And if you people out there are against that, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong either. My point of this message is that in this world, in our day and age, we turn to a lot of medical solutions that, that is actually much pale in comparison to what Jesus gives to you. And during this coronavirus situation, it's very sad how people turn to the worldly medical solutions than the solution that Jesus provides to you. During this coronavirus situation, it's not just COVID-19 that's hurting you. This COVID-19 situation is not just about the disease. It's also about the mental repercussions you're suffering, the economic repercussions that you're suffering, the family repercussions that you're suffering, the social repercussions that you're suffering. So isn't Jesus' solution far better? <clears throat> Have you turned to those solutions? And once this outbreak is uplifted, Jesus' solution will be very, very useful during future sufferings in your life. This applies to not just this coronavirus suffering, but to every suffering out there. So will you apply and will you take these answers? I hope that these answers you will start applying in your life so that you can see improvements and you can be helped. Father God, I pray that today's preaching, uh, it may not have been as effective as I wanted it to be. Uh, thank you so much for pulling me through some flimsy moments and that this sermon was able to at least, at least give some people some help during their moment of suffering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.